What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Today podcast. I'm Jamie Eisenberg. That's Dave Richard. That's Chris Towers. As you see, no Adam Azer. He unfortunately is uh, is in mourning today. So we're going to take a couple seconds here just to you know think about our friend Adam and, and everything that he's dealing with. Uh, unfortunately, the University of Miami no longer has the turnover chain. So Adam is uh, really really upset, and he's taking the day off to. Uh, to you know, collect his thoughts and make sure he's uh, he's okay. Uh, but Dave is thundering through as a proud University of Miami alumni. Sure, today. thank you for uh, for putting aside your feelings about the turnover chain and being here. I'm retiring all my versions of the turnover chain. I was going to say, how much money do you think Adam has spent on his own version of turnover chains uh, in the course of the last five years of the turnover chain's existence? You know, knowing how cheap he is, probably none. <laughs> so I'm going to guess he's probably got uh, zero. I'm going to guess Chris probably has more turnover chains than uh, than Adam does. Yeah, oh, but they're no. just they're apple and cherry. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done, Dave. Do you do you actually have a turnover chain? I I uh, I occasionally donate to my alma mater, and uh-huh. so one year they sent me a version of the turnover chain, which oh, my kids promptly broke. By the uh, way, I was going to say now it's a piece of memorabilia, but unfortunately, <laughs> no, it's in. No, I need a new chain for the turnover chain. It's but. in pieces. Well, maybe maybe Adam does have one or two lying around at home. Uh, so hopefully he'll uh, he'll be back on uh, on Thursday show. He is uh, actually mourning the loss of his dishwasher, so he's dealing with some appliance issues. That's why he's not with us this morning. But today we're going to be talking about our half PPR uh, mock draft that we did last <laughs> week. So we'll go over the uh, review of that, and then we'll also get into some running back reflections, a little bit looking ahead to the 2022 season. Uh, so it should be a fun show for you today. So let's start with the uh, the mock draft here. So I asked, uh, or actually uh, our, our buddy Ben Schrager asked uh, the guys to pick their favorite pick in the mock draft and their least favorite pick in the mock draft. Uh, Dave says he has seven of his favorite picks. So Dave, uh, you're up first. What's your, what's your favorite of the seven of the picks that you're looking at for today? My favorite of the seven picks from our half PPR mock draft was Patrick Mahomes going in the top of round six. Wow. And then what especially drove that point home for me was that Josh Allen, I think there's probably going to be a consensus, not necessarily an overwhelming majority. I like Mahomes better than Josh Allen at this point. But I, I Jamie, I think you like Josh Allen better. Chris, I'm not sure where you come out on it. But I I I see Josh Allen go at 40th. So a round four pick for a quarterback. And quarterbacks always go late in our in our mock drafts. But that's pretty late for any quarterback period at 40. But getting Mahomes at 61st overall, he went 64th overall in the PPR league. 
I think that's tremendous value for a guy who could easily be the QB one in fantasy football, and you're getting him after round five. Holy moly, that's the best pick in the draft. So let, let's put that a little bit more in perspective because most, uh, I think, of uh, you know, casual drafts, you know, non-analyst drafts are going to see quarterbacks probably go middle to the end of round two. I don't think we're going to see a lot of round one quarterbacks, but that's still going to happen. But in any event, I think most, most drafts are probably going to see middle to the end of round two. And then round three through five is when we'll start to see the big push of quarterbacks. So let's just say that let's let's push that up and let's say Josh Allen goes middle to the end of round two. Patrick Mahomes goes middle of round three. Does that change things for you if that's the case? I, I don't I don't think I would take either one as a favorite pick in a draft. And right. honestly, I don't think I'd see myself taking either one of those guys in the first three rounds of any draft this year because I'm confident in the other quarterbacks I'll find later on. And to be fair, so in this draft, uh, so what we did was in the PPR draft, it was basically the same 11 of us. Uh, ben was in the in the PPR draft. Ben was not able to do the half PPR draft. R.J. White stepped in for Ben in the half PPR draft. And when R.J. took Josh Allen in round four, he said, is this really where we're going to see quarterbacks go? Um, again, you know, take into account that, that it's an analyst draft versus non-analyst drafts. Um, I think that's probably, you know, for our drafts, but I, I, I agree with you, Dave. Patrick Mahomes going two rounds later, essentially, is a, is a huge surprise. Uh, you want to just give us the names of the other uh, six favorites that you had? <laughs> you like that, did that, don't you? Uh, Ridley was one of my favorites in the full PPR draft. He was in this one, too. I think you got him this time, Jamie, at yep. 43rd overall. Uh, that's insane. I, I can't imagine that that'll ever happen again where he goes 43rd overall. Justin Herbert's my QB3 right now. He went 89th overall. Gabriel Davis, 91st. He was on this favorite list before what we saw in the divisional playoff game against Kansas City. I think he's going to be a good pick. We talked about that on yesterday's podcast. Kadarius Toney, 97th overall. Joe Burrow, 102nd overall. And there's always going to be interest in late-round running backs. I know everybody's looking for him. The one that's on my list is going to be Kenneth Gainwell. He went 126th overall. Young running back on a team that loves to run the football. They'll use multiple guys, but I don't know what the other running backs in that stable from last year will remain next year, except for Kenneth Gainwell. Please to take him in round 11. Yep. So you just basically listed my entire team. So we don't have to review my team later. So I have, I have Burrow, I have Ridley, I have Gainwell, I have Davis. So uh, <laughs> I guess you like the way that I drafted this team. All right, I did, Chris, I did. Uh, give us your That's least a... favorite pick in the mock draft. And if you have seven, you can, you can list all seven as well. <laughs> That's probably about four rounds later than Gabriel Davis is going to be drafted in most drafts next year, right? Yeah, give, um, give, let's stop there because we, we had a good discussion on this yesterday, Chris. So um, I'm of the belief, I'm not going to take him in that spot, but I'm of the belief that we could see him maybe if there's a heavy run on receivers creep into round four. I think probably round five is where we're going to see him go, um, especially you know once we find out how this you know receiving core looks like for Buffalo. So where, where, where do you come out on Gabriel Davis? Where do you think he's going to get drafted? Uh, too high, probably, <laughs> at least based on like, I don't know. It's so tough because it's like targets are earned and his target per route run rate is decent. 20%. That's not terrible. But, you know, we're talking about a guy who over two years has a 10% target share. Yes, that's because he hasn't been on the field all that much. But if he was as good as we think he's going to be, he would have been on the field more. You know, it's so it's always tough with that kind of player. But I think he's probably going to end up in the fourth or fifth round range. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him going ahead of someone like DJ Moore. And Whoa. that's probably too much. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I would guess it's going to be higher than I'm willing to take him. But, I mean, you look in this draft and, like, Elijah Moore was in the fourth round. So, I, you know, I'm not 100% sure Elijah Moore is better than Gabriel Davis. So 
That's a, that's a range where speculative wide receivers tend to get pushed to is like the fifth round. So is Elijah Moore your least favorite pick? Uh, no, no. Although I, I don't think Elijah Moore 48th overall is, is a great pick. I think, you know, he went over Tyler Lockett. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Right. Yeah. Right. So I, I think, I guess there's one that I would say is my least favorite, but only in reference to another player, which is Cam Akers going 25th while JK Dobbins went 37th. Um, I, I know we've already seen Cam Akers. And so that plays a part in that. And I think, there maybe we just maybe people just think Cam Akers is a better player than J.K. Dobbins, but I feel like he's probably twenty fifth is actually probably the lowest Cam Akers is going to end up going in any draft uh, for 2020, 2022. And I just think there's probably a bit more hype than is deserved there. The Rams haven't really thrown to their running backs all that much. Only seventy three targets between Michelle and Henderson this year. Um, you know, only nine touchdowns between the two of them. Akers still coming off this really tough injury, and as good as he's looked, relatively speaking, the production has actually not been that great over the course of the two games. He had the 140-yard catch, and that's accounted for about a third of his yards. So I think relative to other running backs, Cam Akers was not the best value. Fair enough. I, I do think, though, you know, taking into account the defense that he played this past weekend, Sure. Uh, you know, factors into the, the the yardage, at least, you know, from a ground perspective. But it's going to be really interesting. I didn't realize that the Rams could potentially have to replace three offensive linemen this season. You know, their, their center, one of their guards, and Whitworth, if he retires, um, mm-hmm. that could be really problematic for anybody on that offense, especially, you know, the, the ground game. But, you know, knowing Sean McVay and knowing that team, especially how aggressive they are and bringing in big-name players, I'm sure they'll be uh, just fine with the offensive line. But it is something just to keep an eye on. But, uh I actually like the Cam Akers pick, but I see where you're going with just you know comparing him relative to uh, to everybody else that went around him. So we're going to break down this mock draft and, and obviously talk a little bit more about the outlooks for some of these guys next season. But uh, Gabriel Davis was really fun in DFS. And if you want to get an early edge on uh, setting your championship Sunday DFS lineups, the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast brings you all the DFS insights you need to dominate in the DFS world. Frank Stample, Mike McClure, and Sia Najad provide cash and GPP analysis, deep diving into pricing and matchups. You can listen to the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast wherever you listen to FFT. All right, let's get into this draft here. So uh, we'll go through the first uh, three rounds, then we'll look at our teams and bring up some more of Dave's favorite uh, 55 uh, late round picks mm-hmm. that he likes um, in this uh, in this mock draft. So uh, round one, and again, this was all of our uh, CBS staff for the most part. You know a lot of the guys that are in this draft, but uh, here's the first round. You can see if you're watching on YouTube, uh, just the way that it shakes out here as Ben has the uh, the graphic there for you. So when Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey to Chris at four, Jack Capitordo took Austin Eckler. I took Dalvin Cook at six. Devontae Adams, first receiver on the bo- off the board, number seven. Uh, Najee Harris at eight. Cooper Cup at nine. Justin Jefferson, 10. Joe Mixon, 11. And Tyreek Hill at 12. So just to recap that one more time for those of you listening, Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, Devontae Adams, Najee Harris, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Joe Mixon, and Tyreek Hill. So uh, as you would expect, heavy running backs early. First six picks were all running backs. Uh, Then we get the first receiver off the board, number seven there, uh, as Devontae Adams. But let's start with the top half of this draft here. We all had a pick in the first six. Dave took Alvin Kamara at three. Chris, you took Christian McCaffrey four, and I took Dalvin Cook at six. So uh, any surprise there that it went Taylor Henry uh, in the PPR draft? It went Taylor Austin Eckler. I took Eckler at two. Um, that's something that I might revisit. But 
Um, any surprise that that was the uh, start of the draft, uh, Dave? And then just just take us through your, your thoughts at number three there, taking Alvin Kamara. My first two are Taylor and Henry in pretty much every draft, so it didn't surprise me one bit. Kamara is my third in in half and non-PPR. I, I don't have it in front of me exactly where he is in full PPR, but he could be close to Eckler there toward the top. And it's just it's it's a running back who is entering 2022 healthy. Offensive line's good. I'm assuming that at worst, uh, Taysom Hill will be the starting quarterback for New Orleans. That wouldn't be great for Alvin Kamara. It would be great if they upgraded from Taysom Hill to a quarterback that will be more willing to check down to Alvin Kamara so that those receptions come right back up. But even if they don't come all the way back up into the 80s, he's still somebody that can rack up tons of yards decent amount of touchdowns and I shouldn't even say decent double digit touchdowns I think he's capable of doing that and he could have a better year than what we saw this past season in New Orleans so I'm comfortable taking him that high any concern if at all and I know it's a probably small chance at this point but if Sean Payton does decide to uh, leave New Orleans how much would that change things for Kamar I mean we have to see what they how they go about changing their offense and what they do but yeah that's that's a pretty big problem if they don't have Sean Payton there. Payton's been a mastermind for years. Of course, he, he's had great help as far as you know, having Drew Brees for most of those years, and then he's developed some great receivers from Colston to Thomas, and he's done a great job with the running backs there too, but if he's not there overseeing the whole thing, the puppet master gone from the bayou, I think we could see some trouble there for Alvin Kamara, and at that point, I would probably think about other options there. That's where I'd probably lean toward Austin Eckler going at number three instead of Alvin Kamara. That's a yeah, good call, and, Jamie. Uh, if it happens, that's that's going to be that's going to be a little frustrating, I think, for people to deal with. There was the the report from uh, from the NFL Network was Sean Payton considering maybe leaving New Orleans. I forget how it was phrased. And Alvin Kamara uh, on social media said, "I'm considering putting ketchup on my fries tonight." So he was kind of poking fun at the report there. All right, Chris. So uh, I know you were when we were talking about our running back breakdown. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, somebody you're you're looking at, I think, as as early as number one. Uh, so to get him at number four, just you know, uh, take us through the the idea of what your expectations are for McCaffrey and did you consider anybody else at that spot knowing maybe half PPR versus PPR and non PPR? Uh, I think if I pick anywhere in the first six picks, Christian McCaffrey's probably going to be the pick as long as he's there. I mean, really if I'm anywhere, Christian McCaffrey's an avail. If, if Christian McCaffrey's available, he's going to be the pick. It comes down to just, I think he's the best player in fantasy. I don't think it's particularly close, even in a half PPR. Even in non-PPR, I think he's probably still the best player in fantasy. And so, you know, the injuries, I know all about it. Everyone's scared of him. A lot of people are going to just take him off their board. I think that's the wrong way to view it. He hasn't had any really serious injuries. He hasn't had surgery, nothing like that. So, for the most part, it seems like it's mostly just been... uh you know, kind of fluky random injuries rather than serious recurring ones. Ben McAdoo is the offensive coordinator. I mean, look, I know he's a punchline. He's been with the Giants. Everybody associated with the Giants over the last half decade is a punchline. But Saquon Barkley had his best season as a pass catcher with Ben McAdoo. So I don't think that's really going to change Christian McCaffrey's role. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think he's the best player in fantasy is what it comes down to. And I, I'm not that worried about injuries. I'm certainly no more worried about Christian McCaffrey's health in 2022 than Derrick Henry's. Understandably so. I mean, obviously, there's been more of a track record for McCaffrey's injuries. Only played 10 games in the last two mm -hmm. seasons. But uh, like you said, Chris, when he's on the field, he's amazing. Just hopefully he stays on the field. And that's what we're all rooting for uh, in 2022. Henry uh, did okay, you know, coming back from the, the foot injury. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, conditioning probably factored in a little bit while we saw probably more of Deontay Foreman and, 
and some of the other backs there than we were expecting. But, you know, as long as he gets through the offseason, fine, which should be the case, uh, that's going to be a fun debate, I think. You know, Taylor will probably go one across the board. And then, you know, yep. who's going to be two? Henry versus, you know, still McCaffrey, uh, I think, as Dave alluded to, you know, taking uh, Kamara, also, also Austin Eckler. So format will matter, too. Uh, should be fun, fun topics. We'll get into that a little bit more when we look at the uh, the running backs a little bit later in the show. Uh, back half of the first round, again, we saw the receivers start to come off the board after I took Dalvin Cook. I think, you know, Cook was an easy selection for me there at number six, kind of similar to what Dave was saying. You know, the track record, uh, Kamara track record for Cook, very similar. Um, hopefully the new coaching staff there in Minnesota will continue to feature Dalvin Cook. So another guy with injury concerns, but uh, you know what he's capable of when he's on the field. So let me get the receivers coming off the board back half of the first round. Adams goes first, up goes back after two picks later, but the next receiver off the board, Justin Jefferson and Tyree Kill. Uh, Dave, any surprise uh, that those are the four receivers drafted and the fifth guy uh, was was taken at the start of the second round? So Heath could have obviously he had the back to back picks right. uh, at 12 and 13, could have taken Jamar Chase over Tyree Kill. But uh, surprised that Chase went after Hill and just the four guys that went to start that uh, that wide receiver run. See, in this case, I can't say that I'm like, wow, I'm so surprised that Hill went ahead of Chase because Heath took both of both of them. So right. he could have just clicked on Chase first and then Hill. So I don't really know. If this is really how Heath feels about it, that he absolutely has Tyree Kill ahead of Jamar Chase, his rankings will say uh, what how he genuinely feels. If he had to pick one, who would he take? I'm guessing it would be Hill since he took Hill first, but it's a guess. We don't know. But these are the first five receivers that you're going to be uh, seeing off the board. I, I think it's interesting that Devontae Adams went first. And I know that the track record's been great. And when you're looking for 20 PPR fantasy points per game, and that'll probably be down in the neighborhood of like 17 and a half. When, when you're talking half PPR, I get it with him. But I don't think Cooper Cup's situation is changing very much. Safford's still going to be in L.A. Cup's still going to be the top target there. He's just he, he's continuing to get wide open even in the playoffs. It's crazy how, how well he's schemed, how good of a route runner he is, how good of a receiver he is, how good he is after the catch, that deep touchdown that he had against Tampa Bay. That was impressive. And, of course, the, the basically the game-winning catch that set up the field goal so that the Rams could beat the Bucks, He's outstanding. He's my number one receiver. So I wouldn't be surprised if Devontae Adams went first like he did in our draft. That's okay. But obviously, there's more that can change for Adams than there could be for Cooper Cup, certainly the quarterback, and even where he's playing going into next year. I'm sure that when who, – who took him? It was George. I'm sure that when George took Devontae Adams, he was assuming that he was going to stay in Green Bay and that Aaron Rodgers would still be his quarterback. And if that's the case – then it makes perfect sense. Uh, Jefferson should be three. I think Chase should be four. I just I love the way that he's playing. And you want to talk about a situation definitely not changing. Uh, it might actually get a little bit better for him because you look at the Bengals in that offense, the O-line, you've talked about this before, James. You know that they're going to address that this offseason. Their defense is going to get better too. Might it mean that they're playing in fewer close games? Maybe. That might help their run game a little bit more and hurt their passing game volume. But I still see Jamar Chase being an amazing receiver for a long time. I don't mind taking him one bit. And Tyreek Hill's awesome, but he's a little volatile. Some weeks he's going to give you six for 60, and some weeks he'll give you six for 260. It's just the way that he is. It depends on what your tastes are in fantasy. Um, Definitely both receivers are league winners. I think Jamar Chase will be a little bit more consistent. I think if I'm not mistaken, and and we don't have to get into too much, but but Chris, you also have Cup over Adams as well, right? Uh, I... Yes, I did, and it's yeah, think, just I, it's I just you, because of Aaron Rodgers. I think you were the only two in the wide receiver rankings that we did, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, the stories on the site uh, of the six of us that have Cup over Adams. Um, 
Uh, and as I wrote, and as you said, Dave, I, I think all of us consensus will, will clearly go to, to cup if, uh, if one of the two leave, you know, uh, for sure. So, you know, I don't, I don't know where Adams would play that his situation would get better. Uh, obviously Rogers staying with Adams is, is what we're hoping for. If you're in the Devonte Adams camp. Um, and then yeah, Chase and, and Hill, uh, based on the wide receiver rankings that I, that I saw of the six of us, that's the consensus top six, uh, Stefan Diggs, I think maybe for Dan Schneier might've been ahead of one of those guys. I don't know if he would change his opinion after the two playoff games, but at the end of the regular season, that was the consensus six receivers and, and, and Diggs is the next receiver off the board as we get into round two. So Chase kicks off the start of round two, then Stefan Diggs. Then we finally get the tight end. Uh, Travis Kelsey goes to Dan Schneier with the third pick in the second round. Debo Samuel, who might be better than Stephon Diggs now, if you're looking at it, you want to kind of speculate. Uh, that's somebody you can also say could be in that number seven spot or maybe in the top six at the wide receiver position. DeAndre Swift goes next running back off the board. Uh, Nick Chubb, followed by Javante Williams, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts. So we're getting a little tight end run here in the second round. David Montgomery yeah. to Dave. Uh, A.J. Brown and Antonio Gibson. Again, the second round is Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, Travis Kelsey, Debo Samuel, DeAndre Swift, Nick Chubb, Javante Williams, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, David Montgomery, A.J. Brown, and Antonio Gibson. Again, if you're looking on a, uh, following the show on YouTube, which I highly encourage, again, if you do, please hit the like button. Uh, you can see the graphics and have the draft board there right in front of you. So, again, we know the receivers there. So, uh, Chris, I know you're a first-round tight end guy. Um, did you give uh, – well, I guess you wouldn't have taken, uh, obviously, Kelsey over uh, over mm -hmm. McCaffrey. But had you had a pick in the back end of the first round, would that have been the player you were targeting over some of those receivers? It, it depends who it was, who it would have been. I probably would take him over Joe Mixon. I probably would take him over Tyreek Hill. I think that's probably around the cutoff, maybe Jamar Chase. Um, but, yeah, it's it's right in that 10 to 13 – 10 to 15 range. Um is where I would take Travis Kelsey. And then you're also a DeAndre Swift guy. I know in the first mock draft we did, I think you took him in the first round in the PPR draft. Uh, mm -hmm. Just your, your, your take on how good he can be, uh, not knowing again what this Detroit offense is fully going to look like, but we have a pretty good understanding of what Swift's role was before the injury, the shoulder injury he suffered on Thanksgiving, and kind of, you know, I, I think how the team views him going into next season. Yeah, I think he can be Austin Eckler. I mean, that that's the the simple way to phrase it. And it was easy to make that comparison last year with Anthony Lynn, but I still think it works. You know, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, that type of player who derives more of his value from the passing game, but should still have plenty of value in the rushing game as well. It's not a great offense, but for a pass-catching receiver, as we saw with Swift earlier in this season, that's not necessarily a bad thing because he's going to have a role in games where they're playing from behind. Hopefully next season they'll get him the ball before the fourth quarter because for the first eight weeks of the season, something like 45% of his fantasy points came during the fourth quarter. It was wild. I'd never really seen anything like it, but he's so good. They know he's good. They know he's one of the arguably their best playmaker. I don't think that's going to change. So yeah, I think anywhere inside of the first 18 picks inside in a row in a league where points where catches count for points is a great pick. I think, you know, he kind of got robbed of what might have been the best stretch of his season because mm -hmm. when Dan Campbell took over play calling for Anthony Lynn, Lynn favors, and I know this sounds a little strange coming from his tenure with the Chargers, but he favors a bigger running back. And so yep. he was the one kind of more in the Jamal Williams camp. I think Dan Campbell was probably more in the line of the DeAndre Swift camp. And when Campbell took over play calling, I think it was like one or two games in, and that's when Swift had the shoulder injury. So we really didn't get to see, I think, what might have been that early down work in some of those uh, earlier game action that would have benefited Swift. So hopefully that's the case next season, but we'll see who's going to be calling plays there for Detroit uh, coming up in 2022. Dave, take me through these running backs here. So starting with Swift, Swift, Chubb, Javante Williams, you took David Montgomery, 
uh, and Antonio Gibson to close out the round. You can even factor in uh, Cam Akers, you know, because since that's what Jacob Gibbs did at the turn. So that group of backs starting with Swift and again, PPR versus half PPR. So Chubb gets a little bit of a benefit, I think, uh, you know, maybe comparing him to some of these other guys who catch more passes, probably so going into next season. And I, yeah, I, I'm thinking that when you're in a half PPR, a non PPR league, it's okay to veer toward running backs early on a little bit more so than wide receivers. I know I'm going to keep talking about my new year's resolution about drafting more wide receivers early. And I just couldn't do it in this draft. I just wanted to know for a fact that I would get good running backs on my squad. And then I would take what was left at wide receiver later, especially since it's half PPR that takes a little bit of that pressure off of trying to collect so many wide receivers. And I think my team turned out okay because of it. I actually took three running backs to start my draft. Montgomery was the second of the two. These are all running backs that we're talking about that we've seen it from Montgomery. We've seen it from Chubb. We, we've seen it from Gibson. Uh, we think we'll continue to see it from Akers where they're getting close to 20 touches a week plus mm-hmm. goal line work. The guy that we haven't seen that from at least – throughout the rookie season with Javante Williams, except in the game where Melvin Gordon didn't play, then Javante Williams got a huge workload and he was outstanding in that matchup. By taking Javante Williams in round second, we're all basically conceding that we are hoping that he becomes the lead back in Denver. There's no guarantee that that's going to happen. There's a coaching staff change in Denver. So the opportunity is there, plus Melvin Gordon scheduled to be a free agent, I believe. So there's definitely a chance for Javante Williams to be one of those feature backs. And I'll tell you what, Jamie, I think if it comes to pass that he does become one, his his ADP will go higher than this. And we might get to a point in August where if the hype is really rolling, the Broncos do a nice job of replacing Bridgewater and Drew Lockett quarterback. We like what the offensive coordinator is. We like what the scheme is. We think that offensive line is already pretty good, even if that gets better. Javante Williams could be in line to be a first round pick. So I know I, it's a little it's a little crazy to see him going in round two right now after what we saw last year, but there the the range of outcomes for him is very wide. He could end up being in a 50-50 split again. It just depends on what the new coaching staff says, but he could just as easily become the feature back there. I mean I think if we could Aaron end Rogers up seeing, ends up in Denver. There's there's no doubt he's going in the first round. <laughs> I, I think we could end up seeing ten running backs in the first round by by the time we get to real draft prep season because I think Akers could get pushed up there. I think Adams could fall out. Um, and I think Javante Williams could get pushed up there. So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Cooper Cup and, and Justin Jefferson were the only first round wide receivers in ADP when we get to July and August. Yeah, I mean, you could potentially see Najee fall out of the quarterback situation. You know, if they end up going Mason Rudolph, that could scare some people off. He's not getting past probably round two, but, you know, it could be some people no concerned mm-hmm. about that. Um, so, yeah, and, and we'll find out. You know, obviously, PPR versus half PPR, the receivers will get pushed up a little bit more. At least that's the expectation. And, again, going back to the uh, Patrick Mahomes conversation, there are still going to be people that take a quarterback in the first round. We will always say no, but that's going to happen generally based on the ADP that we see time after time. All right, Chris, so you took Kyle Pitts uh, with the ninth pick in the second round. I know you're a tight end guy. Um, I think people are going to look at that and say, okay, maybe a little bit too soon, but this is a guy I know you're going to target. I, he's my third tight end as well behind both Andrews and Kelsey. Um, tell us your thought process on, on just going with Kyle Pitts there. It's partially, it's a flag planting. You know, I, I want to, I'm going to be the Kyle Pitts guy. I'm going to have him on as many teams as possible next season. This was probably too early. I'm pretty confident he still would have been there at 28. So not the best usage of draft resources. I would have felt, a little better about A.J. Brown and Kyle Pitts instead of Kyle Pitts and Mike Evans, but it's it's mostly just I want Kyle Pitts on my team. 
I think he's going to have an amazing second season. I think what we saw from him as a rookie, he basically lived up to as much of the hype as he possibly could, except he didn't score many touchdowns, and that's really the only thing. But if you look at you know, almost 10 yards per target, uh, big target share, big air yards share, all of these things that should lead to just absolutely massive, potentially league-winning production at the tight end position. Matt Ryan's not going anywhere. I think Kyle Pitts, year two, we could be talking about 1,200 yards you know, from him in, in year two. It's just a question of, does he have the Julio Jones thing where he doesn't catch a lot of touchdowns? I guess that's a concern, but touchdowns are so random that I'm not willing to be worried about it yet at this point in his career. Yeah, I would imagine if he's an 85, 1,200, and 7, 8 touchdown guy, that's, that's not something you want to <laughs> overlook. Uh, Dave, I don't think he's your third tight end, if I'm not mistaken. I think you might he might still is. have to He is? He's my third tight end. Okay. Um, how early would you have taken him, though? I wouldn't have taken him where Chris got him. I understand why Chris took him in, in round two. I would have gambled that he would have made it back to me in round three. For the reason that Chris said, he'd rather have A.J. Brown and Kyle Pitts than Kyle Pitts and Mike Evans. But is, is it that huge of a downgrade from Brown to Evans? Potentially uh, just not. To lock up, just to lock up Pitts? Potentially. But I don't think it's it's that terrible. So, uh, yeah, you, you like the guy. You take him at 21. I wouldn't do it um, because, A, I just I don't want to spend that type of draft capital on Pitts because I'm not certain that he's going to get to 85, 1,207, Jamie. But I also know that there are going to be some other tight ends that I'll like later on, and I'll feel a little bit better about myself not reaching for one of those other tight ends versus reaching for pitch just in case he has another year where he averages a shade under 10 PPR points per game. And I'll tell you this, Chris, the way that worked out for you, I mean, uh, I, I don't know if you would have taken Akers, Barkley, Jacobs, uh, Gibson, mm-hmm. or Montgomery. Um, but the fact that you got, I mean, if Mike Evans gets Brady back and Godwin is gone, yeah, this is a steal in round mm-hmm. three. You know, so, yeah. uh, you know, we've seen it. We've seen it now for the end of the season. The playoff game was great for Mike Evans. I mean, he's, we know he's good. He's unbelievable when he's, you know, essentially the solo act. I know Gronk is still there, but uh, in the receiving course. So no Brown, no Godwin. He really took advantage of the final stretch run of games. And that could be what we're looking at next season if Brady comes back and Godwin signs somewhere else as a free agent. So uh, those were the three tight ends in the second round. We're going to see more tight ends come off in the third round. Let's take a look at what happened in round three. And we're only going to talk about the first three rounds. Again, you can see the full breakdown of the draft on the site on CBSports.com. Uh, but we'll, we'll go through our teams and give you some of our other late round picks that we like, but here's how round three unfolded. So again, Cam Akers first pick in round three, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs to Dave, uh, Chris, again, taking Mike Evans, then CD lamb comes off the board. So maybe a little bit early for him. Uh, I took Keenan Allen there at the sixth pick in the third round, Ezekiel Elliott in the third round, DK Metcalf, Aaron Jones, Jalen Waddle, and then the rest of the top five tight ends. I think these are going to be the consensus top fives with Darren Waller. Top five, excuse me, yep. Darren Waller and George Kittle rounding out that uh, that group there. So after you see Kelsey, Andrews, and, and Pitts come off the board, but Waller and Kittle could also factor into that third tight end spot. So again, round three, Cam Akers, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Mike Evans, CeeDee Lamb, Keenan Allen, Ezekiel Elliott, DK Metcalf, Aaron Jones, Jalen Waddle, Darren Waller, and George Kittle. So we spent a little bit of time on, on Akers, but uh, uh, Dave – Saquon Barkley and, and Ezekiel Elliott in this round, how the mighty have fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I guess Aaron Jones as well. You know, Looking at these three guys, which were, uh, for the most part, if not in the first round last season, borderline you know, first round picks. I think Barkley might have slipped into round two. But in any event, is this a good spot to target these guys for some bounce back potential, knowing that you're still going to get featured work, at least for Barkley, probably 
still leaning in the majority for Ezekiel Elliott and who knows what happens there in Jones, depending on what Aaron Rodgers does. But uh, looking at these three guys, good value or still a little bit too soon? I think it's going to be different answers for each one. You can't put them all in the same same box. Uh, Jones has a Dylan problem. A.J. Dylan is absolutely going to continue to take away work from Aaron Jones. When there are games where Dylan doesn't play, like we just saw uh, against San Francisco, Dylan got hurt after scoring a touchdown. Aaron Jones really did take off and had a lot of opportunities in the game. When he's had those type of opportunities, that's a guy that can get you 15-plus PPR. No questions asked. It's just how many of those games will there be where he's got the whole gig to himself. It's not going to be 17 anymore. It's going to be in the neighborhood of maybe four or five, and that's assuming that Dylan actually misses four or five games, and there's also the chance that Jones misses some games. I guess I'm okay with him in round three, but I really view him more as a running back who – it's one of those last gasp RB2s, one of those guys that you're going to take just so you've got that roster spot filled with someone that you know is a good football player and is going to get some good opportunities, just not the 17-plus touches like we've been used to seeing from him. I think Ezekiel Elliott is is in big trouble. You just look at how he finished the year, and then as soon as the game's over in the playoffs, he's like, oh, PCL, it was my knee. <laughs> right. it, wasn't, it wasn't because of anything else. Blame it all on my knee, and I just tried to play through it like a good soldier. And I don't, I don't know if I buy that completely. We're going to hear reports during training camp about how good he looks, but I bet we hear good reports about Tony Pollard too. And that's assuming that Ezekiel Elliott does stay with Dallas. I think he'll stay with Dallas because they owe him so much money this year that trading him, I, I, I just I don't see it happening. I don't know if there's a team out there that's going to trade for Zeke. Um, I, but there's a part of me that's like, I would pass on Zeke in round four, but kind of lean toward Pollard into that 6-7 range if he's there. I do like Pollard, and I'm wondering if the coaching staff there in Dallas says, we got to get the speedster a little bit more involved. Tony Pollard is so good. Saquon's a wild card. I think there is potential for Saquon to bounce back. It really does come down to who the coaching staff is. Are they going to be sharp enough to lean on him? What, how healthy is he during the offseason? I think he's in a better spot now than he was in the past. And is he still going to get a ton of work? It really comes down to how the new coaching staff in New York views him. But I can't help but think that they're going to view him as the main running back at minimum and a guy who can come through for 15 touches, work the goal line. They know he's certainly capable of catching the football. Does he get back to 20-plus touches per game? And is that offensive line going to gel for them? And if is the quarterback going to stay healthy for them? But those are all questions where you can say there's a chance. With Zeke, I feel like there's no chance. With Saquon, I think there's a chance. So I'm I'm okay with Saquon here, and it wouldn't surprise me if by the time we get to August, he's a late second round pick. Did you did you and Chris? I want to get your thoughts on this as well. But did you consider uh, Saquon if if he had stayed on the board, you took Jacobs one spot after? Would you have taken Barkley? Uh, if I, you mean if I didn't have, I took Jacobs first, right? No, it went Barkley then Jacobs. Oh, I was happy to get Jacobs. So you would have taken Jacobs. Over I would have taken Jacobs anyway. Okay, I'm um, doing, Chris, I'm doing a full 180 on Jacobs, James. I think he's going to end up. Being a, a really in a really good spot next year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't think you made a bad pick. I'm just curious, you know, because you, you said Barkley's in different. You you were a little bit uh, encouraged Optimistic by Barkley. On, sure, I think good. there's a chance. I think there's reasons yeah. to have some optimism. I'm not going to go, you know, bouncing into the rainbow with Saquon Barkley sure. here, but I think that there is a. I, I I just don't look at him the same way that I view Zeke, and to a degree, I don't view him the same way that I view Aaron Jones. Chris, your thoughts on that group uh, and factor in Jacobs as well. So Barkley, um, Zeke, Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs too. Does the RB dead zone start in the third round this year? <laughs> like I, I, 
I don't want to be relying on any of those guys as of now. Like I, I think they could all be fine starters. One of them's probably going to be awesome, but with the questions I have about how Akers is going to hold up in his first full season back, Barkley just hasn't looked very good really since his rookie season. Uh, Josh Jacobs, I don't know if he's going to have the passing game role again. That that was really the key for him in the second half of this season was once he started getting five sure. targets per game. Uh, and Ezekiel it was Elliott, after injury, so that's fair. Yeah. Ezekiel Elliott, who knows? I, I think he's still going to be the guy. Aaron Jones, even like the next round, J.K. Dobbins, Damian Harris, uh, Michael Carter in the fifth round, like it running back starts to look pretty bad at this point in the year. Obviously we'll have rookies come in. We'll have teams revamp their offenses. Maybe, you know, the Packers do something that makes Aaron Jones look really valuable or something like that. But I don't love running backs in this range. And I think getting a running back in the first two rounds, at least based on what we've seen right now is going to be a real key. I don't, I don't want to go uh, two rounds without getting a running back and have to try to make, Saquon Barkley or Cam Akers work as my RB one. But let me let me go I, back. I think I'd rather just about, keep going. Let, let me let me go back to something you said about about McCaffrey because Dave brought this up that Barkley's coming into the season healthy. Last year was coming into the season off the ACL tear, mm-hmm. and we didn't know what we were getting. If we're hoping, and I know it's a hope, we're hoping McCaffrey is going to overcome his injury woes. Uh, you know, again, ten games in the last thirty three that he's played. What if Barkley does the same thing? Because you mentioned it. I, I don't know if he's ever going to get back to his rookie year, and I don't think he has the same heights as McCaffrey, obviously. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not saying that they're going to do the same thing. But if Barkley does bounce back to maybe what his, his 2019 season was, or was it 2019? Um, his, his second season was, what he showed you at the end of that stretch after the, uh, after the ankle injury. Um, if he gets back to that type of player, is this a steal in the third round? Potentially. I mean, is, is he still going to be on an offense that – average or that scored 25 points over the well i mean look, we, we got it we got it well for it's not gonna be as bad <laughs> that, that sure. the thing. can't be as bad um the offense gets better you know i guess i'm just uh, you know you're taking a very optimistic view on christian mccaffrey which i totally get uh why not the same thing for barkley because my questions about barkley aren't injury related it's purely production related i just i don't think he has one, he definitely doesn't have the passing game role that Christian McCaffrey does, or at least yeah. Again, I don't want season. I don't want to I don't want to compare the two. I'm saying like to, right. to take the best player available in this spot. You know why shouldn't he be around two pick if 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 you're assigning the he's going to be his best version because I know that's what you're doing with McCaffrey. So his best version in the offense. You know, put it in the context of, of of how you frame it. But um, you know, I guess trying to make a make a comparison about how they both can be exceptional, not to the same same you know. Yeah. Height. Well, because, again, it's, it's not just with, – with McCaffrey, the only question for me is, can he stay healthy? And it's, it's a question, but it's a question that I can't answer. Barkley, I just don't know if he can be a must-start fantasy player anymore after what we saw last season. You know, the offense has to be a lot better around him. They have to commit to using him in a way that they didn't really this season, especially in the passing game. And so I, even if Barkley stays healthy – I think there's a chance he's just the 20th best running back in fantasy. And then that's, that's the concern for me. It's I, I was hoping, you know, I was pretty high on him coming into the season. I was hoping the passing game role especially would be there and it just wasn't. So for me, it, it comes down to the situation that he's in has to get a lot better. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to trust that even if they have a really good off season, which, you know, I'm not even sure what that would look like at this point. All right, so a lot of questions still to be answered on guys like Barkley. Uh, 
I think we covered some of the running back questions that we'll get to with the running back preview. But let's go through our teams quickly. I'm just going to read your teams, uh, and, and I'll, I'll ask you one question maybe about how each team unfolded for you. So, uh, again, Dave had the third pick. Here, how is, here is how his roster turned out. Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, Alvin Kamara, David Montgomery, and Josh Jacobs, his first three picks. So he's going to go two running backs and a running back at the flex spot. This is a three-receiver league, so Dave's three receivers actually ended up pretty good for going three running backs early. Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin, Adam Thielen, Noah Fant at tight end. His bench is Deshaun Watson, James Conner, Kenyon Drake, Antonio Brown, DJ Chark, Kenny Galladay. So, Dave, you got to be pretty pleased how this receiving core turned out knowing that you started running back, running back, running back. I am pleased with it. I like Adam Thielen as a third receiver. That really made the difference for me. We've talked about Antonio Brown before and that he's still an interesting player. And apparently there's some talk that he's going to go to Baltimore now. So maybe the career isn't done just yet. Um, the the pick that makes me kind of grossed out is Galladay because I could have gotten Gainwell there and picked up another running back. And it's like, what was I really thinking? What am I expecting from Kenny Galladay, even with that late pick? Um, kind of made me a little bit queasy. And probably the next time I consider uh, drafting Kenny Galladay, I'm going to punch myself in the face, Jamie, and say, <laughs> don't do it. Draft somebody else. Draft somebody younger. Make a smarter pick than Kenny G. There could be some bounce back potential there. So don't, don't no, punch yourself like, in the face just yet. Do you, do you think he's going to bounce back to being a number two wide receiver? No, but I think in a three-receiver league, he can end up still being a starter, you know, especially once we get into bye weeks and, you know, you're talking about maybe starting four receivers. Yeah. In the flex. I don't think it's a bad pick where you got him. So. Do you, don't you think um, that you'd rather spend that draft capital taking a shot on a breakout running back or maybe even like a younger receiver than somebody who yeah, we're hoping I mean, you know, can we, be a we, starter we, for you during we, the bye weeks? We did this without rookies. We did this without knowing who the Giants coach is going to be. So, you know, there, there's a lot of questions that could go either way. So I don't think he made a bad choice there. So Galladay's going to be, I think, you want to trade me Gainwell for him? Um, potentially, we'll see. How, oh, well, that, that's that's a that's a way draft. We can make a pretend trade. Um, Chris's team again. He picked fourth, so he uh, started with McCaffrey. But his quarterback is Lamar Jackson. He's got Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette. His receivers are Mike Evans, T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, uh, Kyle Pitts at the tight end position. Chase Edmonds right now is his flex spot. His bench. He's got uh, running backs of James Robinson, Deontay Foreman, Chris Evans, and receivers of Will Fuller, Van Jefferson, and Curtis Samuel. So, uh, Chris, uh, you know, uh, a team that hinges on some question marks at the running back position, McCaffrey obviously being healthy, Fournette, where is he going to play? Um, just your overall thoughts on how this team came together for you. There are definitely things that I would want to uh, improve on. And when I look at my bench and I see Deontay Foreman and Chris Evans and guys like that on there, it just makes me think I can't wait until we're drafting rookies so the right. bench spot to look a little better. Um, but as you know, I think I'm very strong at running back. If Leonard Fournette signs somewhere, I've got my number three quarterback, um, and then you know Mike Evans, T. Higgins. I think T. Higgins has been one of the best values. I, I've drafted him in both of the drafts we've done so far. Once in the fourth, once in the fifth, I think, and he's a top twelve wide receiver for me. So I think he's a great value. I'm very excited about him. So getting him as my number two. Uh, makes things look a lot better for me. Yeah, it's uh, it was a pick that I was considering when I took Calvin Ridley in the uh, in the fourth round. It went Ridley, Deontay Johnson, T. Higgins, Terry McLaurin to Dave. So uh, that that group of receivers, I think, very very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Deontay Johnson's kind of a wild card, obviously not knowing the quarterback spot, but uh, clearly if Ridley's in a spot where he's not with a good quarterback because he could leave the Falcons, uh, I would have taken T. Higgins over both those guys. So yeah. good pick by you in the fourth round there. Uh, for me, I had the uh, the sixth pick. Like I said, I started with Dalvin Cook. Uh, my quarterback is Joe Burrow. Uh, Dalvin Cook, Javante Williams are the running backs. Keenan Allen, Calvin Ridley, Darnell Mooney are the receivers. I also have Gabriel Davis as well. 
Uh, Dalton Schultz, tight end, and Devin Singletary is my flex as of now. On the bench, Justin Fields, Gus Edwards, Kenneth Gainwell, and then the receivers of Marcus Calloway, Gabriel Davis, and Josh Palmer. So uh, if you remember our PPR mock draft, I said I was jealous of uh, Frank Stanfield for taking Josh Palmer. I wasn't going to let that happen again. Uh, Gabriel Davis will not go where I drafted him, which was in round nine. Um, so, you know, we, we, I mentioned this on the, on, the, on the Monday show, how I like this receiving core of Allen, Ridley, Mooney, and Davis, um, you know, with Mooney and Davis kind of being interchangeable and also flex option. So I'm very happy with how this team came, came together. And obviously, as Dave said, he, uh, he loves all of my late-round picks. So <laughs> it worked out really well getting, getting game. Well, I also think Gus Edwards is somebody you want to keep an eye on because we know they're going to use both those guys, Dobbins and Edwards. And clearly that was the case going into this year. Edwards would have been, I think, in the flex conversation, probably more so in half and non-PPR compared to full PPR. But I think he would have had a significant role. And then had he stayed healthy following the Dobbins injury, could have been in line for a great spot. So there's our uh, half PPR mock draft. Again, you can check out the full results on cbsports.com. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, and again to our running back reflections, uh, looking back on 2021, looking ahead to 2022. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, and we're back. So let's take a look at the, the running back reflections here for uh, the, the position that you know clearly matters, as you, as you heard from our mock draft breakdown. A lot went into uh, looking at the running backs here. I want to just go through quickly what the average draft position on CBS Sports was for the running backs. Again, we do average draft positions, cumulative of non-PPR, half-PPR, full-PPR. So it probably looks a little bit different on some other sites that do break it down. But here's what the running back ADP was. I'm just going to read you the order. All these guys went in the first two rounds. They actually all went in the first 19 overall picks. So Christian McCaffrey was one. Dalvin Cook, two. Derrick Henry, three. Alvin Kamara, four. Ezekiel Elliott, five. Don't throw up, but that's the way it happened. Aaron Jones, six. Nick Chubb, seven. Austin Eckler, eight. Jonathan Taylor, Steele, obviously at nine. Najee Harris, 10. Saquon Barkley, don't throw up again. Number 11. And then Joe Mixon at 12. So again, the ADP, McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, Kamara, Zeke, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, Saquon Barkley, and Joe Mixon. Now here's how the finish was top 12 in PPR points per game. This is on our site. You may see some different numbers some some other places, but this is how the finish was on our site based on points per game PPR. Again, factoring in some of the injuries. So Derrick Henry was one. Jonathan Taylor was two. Austin Eckler was three, Leonard Fournette four, 
Christian McCaffrey, five. Alvin Kamara, six. Joe Mixon, seven. Najee Harris, eight. James Conner, nine. Uh, DeAndre Swift, 10. Dalvin Cook, 11. And Nick Chubb, 12. Again, that was Henry, one. Taylor, two. Eckler, three. Fournette, four. McCaffrey, five. Kamara, six. Mixon, seven. Najee Harris, eight. James Conner, nine. Swift, 10. Cook, 11. And Chubb, 12. And that went, just from a point perspective, 24.4 points for Henry. Uh, all the way down to Nick Chubb at 15.4 points. Again, you might see that some different numbers elsewhere, but on our site, that's the way we have it. So uh, that's basically what we're going by. So, so that was th- those were four running backs that finished in the top 12 in PPR points per game that weren't drafted in the top 12. And right, yes, Fournette, right, Honor, yep, Swift, mm-hmm. and Chubb. Right. Wait, no, Chubb was in the top 12. No, Chubb was number seven. Yeah. Who's was Najee top 12? Najee was drafted in the top 12. Yes. Okay, so it's three, not four. Yes, it was Fournette, Connor, and Swift. And so you see what the upside is for some of these guys based on their points per game. This is actually a low for McCaffrey. It's factoring in you know, a couple of games where he left early, but uh, clearly you see what the upside is. So uh, when we're looking at early round strategy, you know, we, you know, Dave said he, he, he you know, trying to steer away from taking yeah. you know, the running backs, but he gets pulled back in. The gravitational pull of the running backs, he can't escape those. Uh, you know, Based on Adam watching The Empire Strikes Back, you know, the – the, the pull there of, uh, of, of the dark side can't escape the tractor beam um, of that. Chris, by the way, Adam told us he watched Empire Strikes Back for the first time uh, this, this past weekend. So he's fine. I don't want to know what he thought about it. He said he liked it. He said he, he liked okay. it. He couldn't wait yeah. to watch Return of the Jedi. But he actually said he liked New Hope better, which was a little bit surprising. Uh, so when we're looking at running backs, I just looked at the, the two drafts that we did. So PPR and half PPR. So in the half PPR mock draft that we just went over, there were eight running backs in round one, five in round two, so 13 in the first two rounds and 18 through the first three rounds. In the PPR draft, which is a little bit surprising, so there were more receivers drafted in the half PPR than in the full PPR, uh, nine running backs went in the first round, three running backs in the second round, so 12 through two rounds, and then six went in round three, so same amount of running backs. I don't know which uh, if there was a difference in players, but 18 running backs in half PPR, 18 running backs in full PPR in the first three rounds. So uh, I know, uh, Dave, you're going to try to avoid running backs um, multiple running backs if you can uh it's a little hard for you but chris yeah your strategy seems to be maybe take one and then you know veer in a different direction yeah i I think the the data shows that hero rb is i think is the the way we're referring to it now but taking one anchor rb to to anchor your roster and then building out your wide receiver core i think history generally shows that that's the the optimal approach or at least as close to the optimal approach as you can get um Especially given how, you know, I did a bunch of research this off last off season about running backs and basically starting in round three, it's a coin flip at best. All like your chances of hitting on a top 24 running back aren't that much better in round three than they are in round seven, which does not fit with how we think about it. But I think generally speaking, that's probably the way to go getting that one very good running back early. And obviously if someone falls, you know, if, if you end up with a spot where like Najee Harris falls to the second round and you took Joe Mixon, it's probably okay to take both of them. You shouldn't just dogmatically adhere to one approach, but I think one anchor RB is, is the, the optimal way to draft, to build your team in PPR and half PPR at least. And, and again, based on points per game, that's kind of how it played out. Like Dave said, you know, there's only three guys that, you know, that were not drafted in the first 12 running backs. Again, this is points per game. Now, Zeke, for example, if you want to go to the flip side of this, his total points had him finishing as a top 12 running back. But we know what yeah. the uh, the week-to-week, you know, sort of struggles were, especially after the, the knee injury sort of became a problem for him as he addressed at the end of the season. So 
Uh, Dave, if you're going to try and veer away from taking um, as many running backs as you typically do, what's going to be your new approach? Is it going to be to take one running back, go receiver, receiver? Is it going to be to take one you know, receiver, running back, running back? You know, how's, how's your approach going to be in the early rounds? And it doesn't have to be just the first three, you know, first five, six rounds. Sure, sure, sure. I, I don't know if I've got a full-blown strategy yet for 2022. It, it, 2022 just started. But I, I'm really going to be focused on just taking best player available. And if I've got – you saw it in the mock drafts that we've done – if I've got a pick in the first half of round one, I'm locking up a running back. I'm I, There are too many running backs I just look at as high upside elite type players that I'm not just going to force myself into Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams and, and pass on one of those rare gems. I don't want to let those guys get past me. And that was kind of my attitude in the half PPR mock because I started with three running backs. But when it was my pick in round two, there were some receivers that I was okay with, but I, I, I like David Montgomery, and I think he's going to be a really good RB2, if not a potential RB1. So I, I was happy to take him there, and I feel the same way about Jacobs as I do Montgomery, a really good RB2, if not an RB1, assuming that things work out well this offseason in Las Vegas with the coaching staff. I expect that offensive line to get better. I expect that defense to get better, too. So I, I I saw those guys available, and I didn't want to just force myself into taking a wide receiver or a tight end just because I've got this New Year's resolution or just because I'm trying to you know get balanced. And the the one other thing I knew, and I've already realized this this much I know as far as draft strategy goes, that RB dead zone is for real. By the time you get to you know the top eighteen or so running backs off the board, you're not going to be happy with what's left, and the wide receivers that are going to be left at that point you are going to be happy with. And I was especially happy, at least in the half PPR draft, with the receivers that I got in four, in five, in six. We talked about those guys. Quality players that have some good stability to them, hopefully some good consistency to them. So I'm not – I think my answer to your question, Jamie, is I'm just not going to force it yet with any position. I'd like to do a mock where I'm not picking in the first six so I can see what I would actually do when I'm picking ninth and Cooper Cup's on the board – and is Najee Harris on the board? Am I really going to take Najee over Cup, or is that going to be an instance where I'm going to take what might end up being the safer pick for now in Cooper Cup? Yeah, I think in that case, and, and that's what I'm going to bring up next, is kind of where you pick uh, matters, you know, because if you're picking early in the, yeah, in the first round, sure. it's very difficult to, you know, take a Devontae Adams or a Cooper Cup over one of those top, you know, five or six running backs. Uh, but also, you know, when you're picking at the back end, Dave, like you brought up, you know, you may find yourself, okay, Najee is – is not necessarily your, your best player. Cooper Cup might be your best player. But you know coming back in the early part of round two, there's going to be maybe one of Chase Jefferson or Tyreek Hill, as well as maybe, you know, Debo Samuel or an A.J. Brown if you want to go that route. If you don't want to go Stephon Diggs, which I know you're kind of leaning away from. Um, but also Travis Kelsey, you know. So you might want to say, okay, I'm going to take the best available running back, knowing that I don't want to take Nick Chubb or Devontae Williams or any of these other guys yet. And so that could also factor in, not necessarily you, but for, you know, what people are thinking. Um, you know, I, I, I went through, you know, a similar thing with each of our two drafts. So in the half PPR, um, I kind of was going to play it out where if Javante Williams was there, I was going to take him just to, uh, you know, not necessarily along the same lines you're thinking, Chris, of planning your flag, but also, you know, just kind of, I, I want to see how this would play out if I took Javante Williams, how I would like it. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, it was, it was, I don't think it was tough for me to take, you know, Javante Williams over AJ Brown, just knowing what his potential is and to get a number one receiver like that in a three receiver league. Also, in the first draft that we did, the PPR draft, I was picking second. I took Austin Eckler. My next best receiver that came avail- that was available to me when we got to the end of round two was Keenan Allen. And so it, it was twofold. It was, 
do I want to take him there over, you know, some of the running backs that were available or, and, and also do I want to double up on the chargers? Not that that's a bad thing with Justin Herbert, but that kind of, you know, just was the thought process I was thinking of. So I took Antonio Gibson. I forget who was picking first, um, uh, took two different players and then there was Keenan Allen right back there in round three. So it was easy to go Keenan Allen at that point. So I think also if you're picking at the end of a round, you kind of have a little bit more options available to you as opposed to, you know, if you're stuck in the middle and what are you going to do, you know, how it's going to all unfold to you. So that factors in as well. So, uh, the way that I came away from 2021 with my leagues, you know, and, and, and the championships that I won, it was more of the hero RB, you know, strategy, Chris, it was taking one running back and then sort of going with the receiver route and then coming back to the running back position with some of those guys that are handcuffs that have the opportunity if there's an injury to unfold and clearly playing the waiver wire. But I do want to go back to something that you said, Chris, about the, the running back dead zone, because you, you, you sort of stopped at Michael Carter in that round five spot in the half PPR draft. But I do think that Carter has some breakout potential. Uh, you took Leonard yeah. Fournette in that round. Clearly, there's a, that's, a, that's a steal if he ends up back with the, the Bucks and, and knowing that he's going to be a big part of, of Tampa Bay's roster. He probably doesn't stay in round five. But you know, I don't know if he escapes round four, You know, maybe round three. You know, We'll see how things go there for him with the perception of him. I took Devin Singletary in that round. We know how his season has unfolded and how he finished. Uh, he, Clyde he Edwards Hilaire is still there. I know people are, are, are down on him. But we know how Edwards Hilaire's, you know role could still go. And then Miles Sanders also in this round. So... You know, it might be a situation where the dead zone maybe shrinks a little bit, but it gets pushed up a little earlier. You know, somewhere in the – it starts maybe at the end of round two even and gets into that round three, round four range, but then we sort of start to pick things up, you know, in round five, round six, where maybe things change a little bit because people are now gravitating toward more receivers early. But you get Travis Etienne in round six. Um, yeah. You know, Matt, he might be the last one, but you took Chase Edmonds. If he's back with the Cardinals and Connor leaves, you know, there, there, there's a lot of potential there. Uh, for some of these guys. So it's a, it's an interesting position that we'll certainly have a lot of conversations about this offseason. But uh, I want to make sure, because we're getting a little bit long here, get to some of the, uh, the the players that we're looking at here. So let's go through our sleepers, breakouts, and busts. And uh, we'll have a lot of running back talk, obviously, throughout the course of uh, uh, of the offseason. But uh, let's go one sleeper from all of you. So, uh, Dave, I'll start with you on this one. Who's a sleeper that you're already targeting going into 2022? I mentioned Kenneth Gainwell. I think he makes sense as a decent sleeper. Just the track record of what we – well, it's not much of a track record. It's what we saw this year from Philadelphia and the way that they ran the football. Still have a strong offensive line. I don't think that's expected to change much. We'll wait and see. I know it's a mostly veteran offensive line. But Gainwell, good pass catcher out of the backfield. Someone who can handle carrying the load if need be. Won't be an every down feature type running back, but could end up being somebody who could be reliable for 10 PPR points per week with some upside that you can draft late and use as an RB2 during the year if so, if the, if you need it. If this offense stays the same in terms of how they approach things and they don't bring back Jordan Howard, which I don't know why they would, and Boston Scott isn't part of the team, if he's the number two guy behind Miles Sanders, my goodness, he's going to be awesome because we know Sanders is probably going to miss some time. And he'll still get an opportunity even in tandem with uh, with Sanders. Yes, I'm I'm totally in agreement with you, Dave, that Kenneth Gainwell's got a lot of potential, so, especially if uh, if they do move on from those guys. And so Boston Scott's a restricted free agent. Jordan Howard is a free agent. I think Miles Sanders might be in a contract here. Sanders so, is still going to be there. Yeah, yeah this so is your he'll field. still be there. So yeah. I think it's in a con- he's in a contract here. I don't think he's a candidate to get cut or anything like that. I don't think he makes that much money or is that bad of a player. So I I can't help but think that Gainwell will at least be second on the depth chart or at best i Hopefully. should say not at least but at best be second on the depth chart yeah no lot, lots like about him all right chris give me a sleeper that uh, that you're looking at i never know how to define sleeper so do chase edmonds or travis Etienne count 
I put ETN more in a breakout scenario. Yeah. Um, I think for Edmonds, it's kind of a wait and see because if he's the lead guy again for Arizona, there's no way people are yeah. viewing him as a sleeper. Yeah, that's uh, why if we're talking like, now, you know, if, I, if he goes if he goes somewhere else where he's in tandem with somebody, then yes, I think he qualifies. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think he's a, a really skilled player, and I think he's capable of more than the Cardinals have let him do. We've seen that pretty much any time he's gotten to be the lead back, he's put up big numbers. So. I think Chess Edmonds, I'm, I'm hoping he gets that opportunity next season. I'm hoping so also, but uh, just a matter of where he ends up getting it and who he's getting it in tandem with. That's certainly yep. a big key. But it'd be, it'd be nice if he's back in Arizona and James Conner's gone because we saw what the upside could be. All right, let's go break out. Chris, you'll go first on this one. But the only caveat I'm putting is you cannot say Javante Williams because that's going to be everybody's favorite breakout running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Devin Singletary getting him in the fifth round. I think he should be a third-round pick based on what we've seen in the second half mm-hmm. of the season. The you know, maybe the Bills won't go into next season with him as the lead back. Maybe they'll go back to a tandem. But if he is the lead back, I think he's looked great in that role. He's shown really solid skills as a pass catcher and as a rusher. I don't think he's some incredible player. I don't think there's probably top 12 upside. But if he's going to dominate touches in the way he has over the last eight or nine weeks, uh, I think he deserves to be in the top 20 running backs and probably in the first three rounds. 100% of the snaps in the game against the Chiefs. Uh, the last seven games, when you factor in the playoffs, he was exceptional. I think the running back group should be set. I mean, Zach Moss showed that he can be a good number two guy. You know, I don't think he's a lead guy, but he can certainly fill in when needed. Uh, they probably bring in another Matt Breida type to have a veteran just in mm-hmm. case, you know, they need somebody to have there and somebody they can play on special teams. But yeah, Devin Singletary, if he's not their lead guy, I don't know what they're doing. You know, unless there's some fantastic draft pick lands in their lap or somebody wants to go there cheap just to play with Josh Allen that they think is an upgrade. But Singletary certainly showed he can handle the work. And finally got free of being stuck in this in this uh, you know committee and and look really good you know so yeah I'm with you I, I don't know round three but uh, I certainly think he's somebody that you want to target as a as a potential top twenty maybe even top fifteen running back going into next season uh, Dave breakout running back for you so let's go to Denver and Javante Williams I think that okay okay <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard of this guy <laughs> is it too obvious if I say Michael Carter no. As a breakout candidate, because I think that that's the offensive line got beat up this year in New York. I expect it to. I, I expect the players who played this year for the Jets gained a lot of good experience, and the other players that come back, along with the other players that they add to that offensive line, turn it into a real strength. I think that offensive line could be one of the better units in the league, at minimum, a top half type of t- offensive line. And I think that by the end of the year, when he was healthy, Michael Carter was proving that he could be an effective running back for them. He was getting upwards of 70% of the snaps in some of the games that he was in. Uh, Who else do they have on the roster right now that's a a real danger to his playing time? Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, Austin Walter. I I don't see it happening. I don't think that those guys are going to be major for them. If they add somebody, if they sign a free agent, I, of course, would get worried about it. But I still we, we we've seen Michael Carter thrive in a number of different roles in this offense, and I think the situation will get better next year, including the defense getting better next year. Remember who their coach is? It's Robert Sala. I still think he's a good schemer on the defensive side. They won some games this year that where they they beat the Bengals for crying out loud in one of their games this season. So I I, I think that there's room for Michael Carter to have a really strong second year, and I'm not sure he really belongs in that RB dead zone just yet. Yeah, no, agree. I think, you know, the uh, the upside, you know, it's unfortunate that his best pass catching games came without Zach Wilson, because that's something that you would have liked to say, okay, you know that that's what he's going to do, that that's what this quarterback's going to do. And we saw it a little bit more toward the end of the season when, you know, when it wasn't Carter, when Wilson was starting to lean on Ty Johnson a little bit more, uh, Tevin Coleman a little bit more. 
Um, but yeah, there, there's just so much to like about what Michael Carter brings to the table. So uh, I don't think we'll see him going round five either. I think he's probably going to be around four, maybe even around three pick, depending on how things go and how many running backs come off the board. I guess I should give my guys as well. So I, I'll go back to the, the what I said on FFT and five last night. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn is somebody that I think you can look at just because if Fournette and Ronald Jones are gone as free agents, we don't know again who the quarterback is. But if it is Brady and there is a, a change in the backfield, you know, and it's a Giovanni Bernard type of guy, and then Keyshawn Vaughn, I don't know if he showed enough to be the lead guy, but I think he showed maybe he has an opportunity, especially given what their salary cap might end up being uh, with how they spend money. So Keyshawn Vaughn, somebody that just, you know, let, late round pick is somebody that I would look at. And same thing with Jared Patterson, another guy that I like, just knowing that Antonio Gibson's injury track record, if he does have to miss time, remember he played through all those injuries, uh, Patterson probably going to be number two on the depth chart there. So somebody that I'll also look at with a late round pick. And then, you know, just to kind of throw in uh, – uh, breakout uh, J.K. Dobbins. I think you know we we talked about it this yep. year being a breakout guy. Or last year, Stephen being a breakout guy. I think if he's healthy, uh, knowing what this team does with their running backs, he should have a, a chance to you know come back from that ACL and be a hundred percent. Let's go with the bust. So, Dave, I'll go back with you. Who's a bust that you're uh, probably going to avoid in 2022? Well, we talked about Saquon, I think, or, or not Saquon. I'm sorry. I'm, maybe that was a Freudian slip. What was that? We talked about Ezekiel Elliott. I think that he's kind of an obvious bust. Where did Damian Harris go in our half PPR? Second. I wonder if that's a little too high for him. But j- just, just to put that in context, go we ahead. talked about this in both drafts. It was George Maselli. He's a Patriots guy. Uh, we all agreed in every every recap that we've done of these drafts. None of us are taking him da- taking Damian Harris that high. Sure. So I, I don't mind Harris as an RB two to start the year. I just don't think that that's the right spot for him. Right. Uh, and, and I'm worried. I, Ramondre Stevenson. If you were going to tell me that I couldn't use Michael Carter as a breakout, I was going to tell you that Ramondre Stevenson has breakout potential. There were times this year where he looked better as a runner than Damian Harris did. We've seen Can him do it without well an injury, receiver. Though. Can he do it without an injury? Uh, I think it'll be hard for him to overtake Damian Harris. I think it'll be hard, possible, but I, I think it'll be hard. We know that Harris is not a big pass catcher, touchdown reliant type of a running back. There, don't want to take him too soon. Yeah, one guy I had his uh, list as sleeper was James White too. You know, I was surprised that uh, I don't know. He's if a he free agent. I don't know if he's going to be back there. Uh, no, but I think anywhere he goes, you know, but if he does come back to New England, but, you know, he could be somebody that maybe Brady says, hey, if I'm going to play, go get him, uh, knowing what their relationship is. So oh my God. I, I wouldn't no want to in PPR as a sleeper. Um, so who's your bus? Harris? Yeah, let's say, let's say Harris is the bus. Okay. And you, get, you, made, you made your case for Zeke earlier as well. Sure. So, so I, I have um, two bus. Where would you take Zeke, though? Round four? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd settle for him around there if I took a couple of receivers early and he was one of the last best guys, but I'd, I wouldn't feel great. Chris, what about you? Who's the bus you're looking at? Harris was the obvious choice for me. I, I don't think things like obviously injuries and some inconsistent playing time, but in terms of the production you got from him, I'm not sure you could really expect all that much better from Damian Harris. 15 touchdowns, almost a thousand yards in 15 games, uh, you know, 1,100 yards in 16 game pace overall. That's probably about what I would expect in something like a best case scenario for Harris. He finishes RB 19 per game, so I just I just don't think there's a path for him being much more than that. You know, maybe he could be 15 or something like that, but it just, it's not a skill set that is worth targeting in fantasy. If he was my number four running back, I might be okay with it heading into 2022, but not someone at all I'd want to have in my starting lineup. Okay. So we'll see what happens again with, uh, with what Stevens does. They got to bring in a receiver or two uh, in New England because. 
I know the tight ends, they didn't materialize. Uh, you got some good moments from, from Aguilar and Bourne and obviously Jacoby Myers, but that's something they really have to do is help Mac Jones in the receiving department. Probably not draft anybody because they have a terrible track record when they draft wide receivers. Uh, for me, I'll go back to a guy I said on, on FFT and five, and, and also we talked about this a little bit on Monday show. If Aaron Rodgers leaves the Packers, I probably will not be drafting Aaron Jones in the first three rounds. Um, I, I think, you know, you just look at the, the split that will be coming once again with A.J. Dillon and knowing that the points will come down if the quarterback is certainly Jordan Love, even if it is another veteran guy that's not Aaron Rodgers. So uh, Aaron Jones makes me a little bit nervous. So uh, probably around four pick at the earliest for me. But if Rodgers is there, that changes things. But if Rodgers is gone, Aaron Jones is somebody I will probably be avoiding. But uh, we'll get a lot more into our running back conversation throughout the course of the offseason. Adam will do a much better job navigating that conversation than I did. Uh, and we welcome him back on Thursday's show once he's uh, happy and recovered from the loss of the turnover chain. So great job, Dave. Great job, Chris. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Remember, please hit the like button. And we'll be back on Thursday to preview the AFC and the NFC Championship games, as well as look ahead to the wide receiver position for the 2022 season. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.